This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us and for following Working Like Dogs on Instagram and Facebook. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my co-host is my amazing service dog, Lovey. And we're excited to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today we're going to be talking with Will Chesney. And Will served in the United States Naval Special Warfare Development Group as an operator and as a dog handler. And he and his incredible canine partner, Cairo, actually participated in Operation Neptune Sphere, which resulted in the death of Osama bin Laden. And today, Will is joining us to talk about his experiences working beside Cairo and his new book called No Ordinary Dog, which is his new memoir of his life and his military service. And it's also co-authored by Joe Layden. So we're so excited that Will can be with us today. So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome Will Chesney to the show. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. When we put him on the Dynavite, he took right to it. All of these symptoms disappeared. Dynavite is nutrition. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. Something that he actually likes to eat. You need to put him on Dynavite. Dynavite for life. If you love your dog, you don't just want him healthy, you want him to be happy. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. We're so excited to have Will Chesney with us today. Hello, Will, and welcome. Hello, good morning. Yeah, we're so excited. Boy, we have a lot to talk about. And first of all, we want to ask you, Will, tell us how you became a Navy SEAL dog handler. After high school, I joined the Navy. Uh, while I was in the Navy, I became a Navy SEAL, went through BUDS. While I was a SEAL, one of the tools that we used was the working dogs. And I just on one of the deployments, my first deployment at Development Group, I saw just how valuable the dogs were, how valuable the tool they were. I love dogs. I've always I've grown up with dogs. So I figured if I could uh, make myself an asset and handle one of these dogs and possibly save somebody's life, I love dogs. It just made sense to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know it seems like a dream job to be a Navy SEAL and a dog handler as well. So what did you have to do to become a dog handler? I'm sure there was a really intense training program that you had to go through. Yes. um, I started showing interest in the dogs and just made myself more available around the handlers on one of the deployments. And it was a good fit. So when we got home from that deployment, I got I got sent to a handler school in California. And it was awesome. It was, um, I think it was about nine weeks long. That was when me and Cairo really bonded for the first time. Wow. And I read where Cairo was actually not your first choice as your canine partner. Who did you want, Will? And why didn't you want Cairo at first? Tell us about that. It's not that I didn't want him. There was two dogs that I kind of had my eye on. One was named Bronco. 
and the other was Cairo. And it wasn't, uh, I didn't have my heart set on either one. The only difference between the two is maybe Bronco was a little more playful and Cairo seemed a little more all about business as soon as you brought him out of the trailer. But I was happy with either, uh, either dog. It actually ended up the, uh, the trainers at command were, they knew what they were doing because they paired me up with Cairo. And I said, okay, it was a very good fit. It was actually perfect. So they knew what they were doing. <laughs> I know it's amazing how they do that. I know when I've been placed with my service dogs, I've kind of had a similar experience where it wasn't necessarily the dog that I thought was best for me, but it's amazing how people who really specialize in those placements, they know what they're looking for and they know what, what works and what doesn't. So that's so cool that you guys were placed together. Yeah, it really is. I, di I didn't have any dog experience at the time. I was just a SEAL, so I didn't really know what I was talking about, actually. So it's, it was very valuable to have those trainers there to make the right decisions. Yeah, That's that was me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it is a big decision about that relationship and your strengths and the dog's strengths and your weaknesses and how you each can make up for each other, which is so cool oh, of that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us what kind of dog was Cairo so we can get a, an image of Cairo. Cairo was a Belgian animal. Wow. Wow. Those are intense dogs. They are. I guess one of my messages to people is uh, before you go out and purchase one of these dogs, I would do your research. Definitely. They are very high energy, very high drive. They're working dogs, you know? Yeah. So, as a child, we owned a Husky. And I remember that Husky was uh, just one of those high energy working dogs. We said had him in the backyard. He had so much energy and didn't get run. One day I saw him pull a tree out of the ground. You know, not like it was a tree he was able to grab on. <laughs> Yeah. Like that was my first time seeing like that's how much energy these dogs have so you have to really work them and yeah 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 you got your hands full <laughs> yeah it's powerful yeah well tell us what were some of the things that Cairo was trained to do that you guys did together he was trained to sniff out explosive and man odor wow and other things did and did he skydive we would do yeah the dogs have to go through a pretty rigorous selection process when they're selected from wherever we buy them from, there's certain tests that the trainers will conduct and they know what they're doing and they select the high quality dogs and they still get, could get washed out as soon as they get back. It's like the, uh, the dogs are going through a bud. So they're basically becoming seals as well. You know, it's a very rigorous process. They have to learn to not only skydive and repel and be comfortable at night on helicopters, slick floors, all environments in the water. You're asking a dog a lot. And then not only that, that's just to get there. So once you're there, you're also having to ask this dog to leave his handler, his team, go into a dark place and get into a fight with somebody twice his size and not come off. So you're asking a lot and it's hard to find those types of dogs. I can only imagine. Yeah, that's asking a lot. That's unbelievable and phenomenal that they are willing to do that. That's why we treat them so well when they're, if they're injured or they're, um, if they're killed in action, we treat them just like one of the brothers because they are. As they should be. Absolutely. Absolutely. They should be. Well, I was reading too about some things about how Cairo was able to differentiate between an adult target and a baby, a child, even an infant. That is phenomenal. Can you tell us some about that? But how do you think Cairo was really able to do that? Yeah, that was uh, that happened one of the nights we were on the target. It happened. Uh, we called everybody out of the compound. I guess one of the women decided to leave her child behind. Uh, there was also a man in there that wasn't coming out. He wasn't complying. So we 
you know, used our ROEs, and eventually the, the call was made to send Cairo in to subdue him. And the baby was actually left in a room by itself, and uh, Cairo went into that room and was doing his searches. A lot of the dogs talk with their mouth, you know, that's their, that's what they have. They, they like to grab onto things and, like, pillows and stuff. Sometimes they'll grab mm-hmm. pillows. There was a baby swaddled mm-hmm. to where we couldn't see it. Um, um, I don't know why he didn't grab grab it. Just He just knew that it wasn't a threat, and uh, he was smart enough to leave it alone. He actually went into the other room and en- engaged the man that wasn't complying and allowed us to subdue him and take him in. And there was also women in that room that, that he was, I guess, probably using probably as a shield that nobody was complying with. The dog was able to keep the situation from escalating. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to even articulate that incredible amount of awareness and commitment. And I, wow, Will, what an honor to be in that presence to see Cairo work like that. It really was. And that's why it's an honor to be able to tell a story. It's a piece of history. It, um, it gets the truth out there. It also brings attention to what these working dogs can do. And I mean, it's not just us using them. It's all law enforcement and service dogs, what they can do for people as well. Like, just like you have a service dog, you know exactly what the dog can yes. do. Yeah, I just wanted to let people know how valuable they are. And not that they, I, I also don't want people just to go out and purchase a Malinois. I'd like them to maybe do their research and find the proper place to purchase it if it's the right fit as well yeah yeah yeah, i think that's a big thing will where people they see or they hear about these incredible dogs like cairo and they just think oh i can get one and have that too when really it takes months and years of training and oh my gosh so much goes into these dogs for them to be successful to be able to do this kind of work and i'm so glad you've written this book because people really don't if they haven't experienced it, it's hard for them to understand the level of work that goes into these dogs. So again, so that they can perform at this at this high level. It is. It's um. It's a lot that goes into working or training the dogs, and also training the person that's handling the dogs. You know, you can train the dog all you want, but if the person doesn't know what it's doing, it's not very valuable to the dog. You, need, you also need to put in the training. The person needs to put in the training themselves. And some of these dogs just genetically, you're asking. Like I, we discussed earlier, what, what you're asking of these dogs to get that kind of genetics. Some of these yeah. dogs, they can't turn it off. So to find the, I was talking with Mike Ritland and he, he takes some of these dogs in and gives them a place. And people are asking to, to home the dogs, but they don't understand that some of these dogs, you just can't really take home. And it's nothing against them. It's just the yeah. dog might do something and it would be dangerous to their family and, or to them. So I just hope people can understand that. These are very yeah. dogs. Yeah, that's a great point. And it, it is, it's not the dog's fault. It's how they've been trained and what they think their purpose is. And so, and it can be confusing. Yeah, when you're not in that, that situation any longer. Yeah. Genetics is so important. I know it's, it really is. And as science is learning more about those genetics, it's, it's even becoming more important of how dogs are bred and what their jobs are and how they, how they perform. It's intense. Really, yeah, we can get really deep into it. Some people yeah, do. well, I certainly don't want to ask you something that you're not comfortable answering. But if I was wondering if you could talk with us and share with us what you are comfortable sharing about the night that you almost lost Cairo while out on a mission. Yeah, on that night, we had a couple of uh, men leave the compound we were headed to. They, I guess they figured out we were coming. Two guys hopped on a motorcycle. Uh, two more guys hopped on a different motorcycle. They went one direction. So they basically, four men split up into groups of two on two different motorcycles. We followed one group. They ended up making it into a tree line, and we weren't allowed to just drop bombs on them. But 
we could see weapons. They just made it to the tree line before we could, uh, they got set up in the, into the tree line before we could do anything. And then the ROEs weren't allowing us to drop bombs. So we got dropped off a safe distance away and walked up and there was a kind of a low wall. We made it to just outside the tree line. We tried to get them to comply, but you know, bad guys don't usually comply. <laughs> yeah. So tried different modalities, different methods, try to get them to come out. And, um, Eventually, the call was made to send the dog in. I was in the position to where the dog could best utilize his nose and uh, also listen to my team leader tell me when to send the dog. So eventually, he told me to. I sent the dog into the wind. I watched him for as long as I could, but he, in the tree line, it was hard for him to see or hard to see him. I could see he was making his way down to my left side. So I, I was staying behind the, the wall as best as I could behind cover. Eventually, I heard some gunfire. So basically, I figured Cairo would found the uh, two men hiding and engaged one of them. So I started to call him back. He wasn't coming back. Just after a certain amount of time, I figured something was happening or something happened to him. Ended up, he had engaged one guy on the ground who was trying to suck us into the tree line. And another guy was up high waiting to get an automatic weapon in the tree. And he was going to engage us from there. So they were set up in a pretty good ambush. So Cairo finding them, they showed their hand and it allowed us to engage both of the guys without getting any of the assaulters hurt. But unfortunately, Cairo had been shot twice. He'd been shot through the leg and the chest, so it was hard for him to get back over that wall. But what we kind of figured out later on, and he ended up, he was smart. He, he had to find a break in the wall and uh, he ended up making it around all the way back to me. And just before, you know, I, I saw him in the distance a little bit. Just before he got back to me, he just kind of collapsed. And I immediately thought he was dead, of course dogs they get shot like that they usually don't make it and to see him collapse like that i've never seen him obviously do that so it was a figured he was gone but i ended up making my way over to him and saw he was still with me he was still alive as i was breaking out the medical kit for him we, we carry one for the dogs specifically as i was breaking it open i knew my team i didn't need to be in the firefight they didn't need me so i was i was able to make it to cairo to give him medical assistance and another member of the team realized that as well that i, I needed help and he made it back so as I'm breaking out his medical supplies, I'm handing it to him, the um, the corpsman, teammate of mine, and he starts stuffing the gauze into Cairo's chest. And I would say he saved his life. Wow, Will. My goodness. I can't imagine what that was like for you as a handler, but I am so glad that you were able to, to provide that emergency care and, and get to him. And he was able to get back to you so that, that you could assist him and, and get him out of there. Wow. Yeah, we treated him just well, like other teammate that was injured that would have been injured uh the the corpsman came back or my, my teammate came back and treated him just like one of the boys he uh he uh, definitely definitely saved his life he, he gave him medical care and they immediately called in a kazavak a helicopter to, to come pick him up just like any any one of us getting shot just because he was a dog nobody cared he was still part of the team yeah and a really vital part of the team yeah oh my goodness he saved somebody from at least getting shot that night if not killed yeah well, Will, I have more questions for you about that night, but we're going to take just a quick break and hear some important messages from our sponsors. But we want to come right back and, and continue talking about that incredible night. So come right back. Hey, everyone. Michelle Fern here. I have the perfect gift for Mother's Day. You know, I can't visit my mother-in-law as much as I'd like to, and that's why I love the Skylight Frame. It's a touchscreen photo frame that you can email photos to, and they appear in seconds, so my mother-in-law can see the pictures right away. 
I have a great savings for you. Just go to skylightframe.com slash pet and you'll save $10. That's right. S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash pet, P-E-T, and you'll save $10. And get ready to receive sheer happiness thank yous from your recipient because they will love this. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we're visiting today with Will Chesney, the author of No Ordinary Dog. And boy, this is No Ordinary Dog that we're talking about. That's for sure, Will. And before the break, you were telling us about that incredible night when Cairo was actually shot twice. Tell us, so what happened after you got him on the helicopter and got him back? Tell us what happened. So they never stopped treating him like he was a soldier. As soon as he got back to the base actual surgeons there were no uh, veterinarians on the uh, base at the time so actual surgeons operated on him i mean it was amazing they treated him just like one of us they continued to save his life as well you know if it wasn't for these great people giving him care he might not have made it and then they ended up stabilizing him and we immediately got him to the veterinary clinic and he wasn't looking so good i really didn't think he was going to make it through the night stayed with him on the floor slept right beside him just in case because like i said he really wasn't looking like he was going to pull through but most people just kept doing amazing work on him. And I think the next morning we woke up and he was, I could just kind of tell he was going to make it. It was fairly quickly. He recovered. I mean, That's unbelievable. Really hey, gosh. So, and you didn't leave his side. I love that. That's so great that you were able to stay with him and that you could spend the night with him. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't sure if he was, how much longer he had, honestly. But it was just crazy how, how quick he kind of recovered and pulled through going from I really didn't think he was going to live. So I wasn't, of course, I wasn't going to leave his side and I wasn't going to go sleep somewhere else. And so did they talk about retiring him after that or what was the plan for him? He ended up going to a rehab facility in Lackland and they got him back to 100% working mode. This was actually before we went, we went on the Bin Laden mission together. So they got him back. Wow. That's incredible. Wow. And so did you start working with him slowly or what was the process of getting him back on the job? We were nervous that he might not work again. So I was definitely nervous. But as soon as I got him back, it was like nothing had ever happened. The only time I ever saw saw him change was when he got retired. Eventually, when he started getting older, you could see a hitch in his step from when he got shot through his leg. Just a little And then some other things started happening that it's covered in the book. Yeah. Yeah. After retirement. And, yeah. Well, he must have been such an athlete to be able to do that kind of work. I can only imagine. I mean, that I always think of my service dogs as Olympic athletes. And it certainly sounds like that's what Cairo was to be in that incredible shape, to take all of that physical activity and stress um, on his body. That's amazing. It was amazing to see it. He, he did things that really impressed me. Some things that I saw that like I kind of questioned if he would be able to do it. Uh, like during one training exercise, my friend, we're always very safe. You know, these are, we covered earlier, dangerous dogs, especially these animals. And we're always extra safe. We had stuck somebody up about nine, 10 feet in the air on top of a makeshift kind of closet we had built. And we were doing a training exercise where Cairo just picks up on his odor. And we wanted to see what signals he would give us uh, with the high 
fine like that. Cairo didn't have a muzzle on because the guy was up so high and it wasn't, there was no way he could possibly get up there. These dogs are such athletes that when my friend, when Cairo did make the fine, my friend was, um, or my teammate, giving him a little good praise as a good boy to reward him, you know, so he knows he did a good job. And as he was making his way over, I mean, he just barely stuck his foot just across the ledge enough for Cairo. He made it all the way up there and barely grabbed him by his ankle. And it was just impressive. And he almost pulled himself up on top of the closet with him, but luckily he didn't, he barely had him. He came yeah. off. He was just like, man, we're very safe when we <laughs> training. That's like number one, you know, we do a lot of dangerous things. You have to, to keep everybody safe. Can't get people hurt. It was just, just the athletic ability of these amazing dogs. It's crazy. Yeah. It's hard to wrap it's your head around it. Yeah. About how, uh, how truly amazing they are. It's just one instance. There's so many instances. Like, yeah. And I got to do it every day with these dogs and multiple dogs, you know, just to see yeah. it. We could set up any scenario we kind of wanted and we would set up tough scenarios and the dogs just crush it. It'll just blow you away. Wow. Yeah. Well, Take us to that to your March 2011. So Cairo was what six years old at this time. Okay, sounds right. <laughs> and what was happening for both of you then? Because Cairo, they were looking at retiring him, weren't they? Around uh, six. Not for a, a, a long, well, quite a while. It took a while to get him retired because he was such. He really was a good dog. I, I say it a lot, but um, he was such an easy worker. He, he was like a plug and play. You know, you, every person is, has different handling skills, right? He was mm -hmm. a dog you could just hand to a person with person with minimal experience, and he would just do his job. And that person make you look good. Yeah, <laughs> I was always I felt bad, you know, a little bit. I mean, all the other guys had uh, great dogs as well, but Kyra sometimes was pretty easy. I felt very fortunate. Yeah, yeah, you were. Yeah, no doubt. Well, and so how did you guys get the assignment? This huge assignment to go out on on that. March 2011 mission. What happened? Tell us about that. We had just gotten back from a deployment, so we were pretty fresh. And uh, people above me just made the decision. I guess nobody really knew what was going on. We're, we're really busy. Things, I guess, happen all the time. We're, we're, we're getting prepared, so we're pretty used to this happening. The call was made that something was happening. I was at a school at the time. One of the handlers couldn't, he had some things going on. He couldn't attend the training, so. Uh, my team leader made the call to uh, have me come home from the training trip. And he said, go grab Cairo and come into the team room. And that's what I did. I showed up the next day. Something was going on. We just didn't know what. I don't think anybody really cared. It was just, uh, that was our job anyways. Mm -hmm. uh, no matter what was going on. Just happy to be working. Yeah. Another day on the job. That's it. Yeah. 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 But what a day. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us, what do you think was Cairo's biggest contribution on that historical mission? That night, I mean, you know, the dog's nose is the most valuable tool. Um, just having him out there in front trying to find, you know, we figured the house would be rigged with explosives or, you know, there would be some escape tunnels, some hidden rooms or any, anything. Mm -hmm. just using the dog's nose it just gives the guys more confidence when moving through the house. And on that night, our job was to do some perimeter sweeps to check for explosives or any escape tunnels. And as we were doing that, we just made sure everything was kind of locked down and safe from the outside. And then we made our way in and did the same thing with explosives on the inside and any kind of trying to find any try to, uh, any sort of false walls, hidden rooms or anything. Well, I can't imagine the, again, the intensity and the danger that you two were in that night and your whole team, because there was a helicopter that crashed that night. So, but you guys thankfully were not on that one and you safely landed. 
We did. Yeah, we safely landed. But even the guys on the um, other helicopter that did crash, those pilots are so good that he just landed the birds softly enough. Nobody got injured. I mean, it's a miracle. I thank God nobody got hurt. Not only did they not get hurt, didn't even skip a beat. They, they almost died in a helicopter crash on one of the biggest missions in history. They end up just jumping out of the helicopter and conducting the mission flawlessly. You know, it's, uh, it's awesome. To, it was awesome to see that. Yeah, that's amazing, Will. Yeah, nothing short. Yeah, miraculous. Wow. And so, and you guys got back out that night safely and got back to where you were stationed. Yeah, it was a pretty surreal moment. Our job is dangerous. We we all know that. But for this one, we all knew it was a little more dangerous. You know, something. And like uh, you said, historical. Yeah, you yeah. changed history that night. Yeah. But to come back when we when we landed in the have the mission accomplished and to look around and see everybody was still alive. It was, it was a great moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those. Yeah. That you don't quickly forget that. That's for sure. Wow. Well, how did your and Cairo's life change after that night? After about a week, everything went back to normal. (laughs) 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 It was was a a high speed, you know, fast paced job. It doesn't stop. Yeah, yeah, that's your job. Yep, and you just do it superbly. Yep, that's what we wanted to well, be. But you know, yeah. work so hard to get there. It was an honor to be able to do the job. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just went right back to work. <laughs> well, did Cairo get? Because Cairo got recognized for that. What was that like? I mean, because I think Cairo, his life changed, right? In the awareness of people and the people he was interacting with. Yeah, the president said he wanted to meet. <laughs> You know, it was an yeah. honor to be able to get to meet the president with him. I put a muzzle on him just in case. You know, he would hey, something bad to happen. I don't. Yep, <laughs> smart. Yeah, yeah. I really didn't want to. I knew he would never do anything. Just we always yeah. extra safe. But it, it was an honor to be able to to do that. I think yeah, they that must have been him. incredible. Yeah, I think they, I think they had a good they had a really good visit. Did the president give him a treat? No treats, but he definitely <laughs> he got some love from him. <laughs> nice. So that's nice. Yeah. Oh, good. And Cairo was okay with that? Oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Well, and so after you guys met the president and had that experience, what was Cairo's life like after that? Was there retirement? Tell us about that. It was uh, basically, like I said, back to work. He was such a good dog. They kept him around as a spare dog for quite a while because these dogs do get injured or killed. It happens, you know, such a good dog. They just kept him as a a spare dog in case that did happen. He was just easily, not every dog is uh, able to go to any hammer. Yeah. Most of the dogs were, you know, but not everyone. Cairo was just one of those dogs that was a great worker. Easy. Very reliable. Yeah. Yeah. Consistent. Yeah. If he's still able to work, they kept him working and, it was good that he wanted to work. And then eventually the call was made. He was getting up there and it was called to a retire. I put in my mm-hmm. application, and went through the process and it was approved. Wow. So were you still active when you did that or were you, had you already been out of, of the service? I was still active. I was on my way out. I had been injured and uh, somebody threw a hand grenade. I mean, 2012 and injured me and some of my mm. friends. It, uh, yeah. down, after that, it was kind of downhill. So it goes into the story more into the in the book, obviously. But as I was in the process of getting out because of some medical issues, is about the time he was uh, the call was made to start retiring him. 
And was that a difficult process or was it you just filled out an application and it was approved or did you have to advocate to get him? Yeah, there's a couple of people that wanted him. He was great. Everybody loved the dog. So just put in the application. The people in charge just made the decision. That, handlers usually get first choice. So mm-hmm. they just have to make the decision of, uh, like I said, these dogs have to go to the right home. So they had to evaluate every single person putting an application to make the right call. They're not just going to give them away. They have to, you know, make sure everything is yeah. proper. And that's what happened. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. So fortunately, I had the proper life to give him. I was getting out at the time. I mean, it was because of medical issues. I wasn't doing so great, but it was really great to have him come home with me during such a difficult time. It was very valuable. I'd say like probably saved my life again. No, I get that. Yeah. And what a that's so wonderful that you guys could be there for each other at that point where you both needed each other. Because I'm sure it was hard for him to retire. Yeah, I think it happened perfectly because if he would have retired earlier and I was still working, I wouldn't have been able to take him. So it mm-hmm. made sense. A great worker, they kept him. And it happened to be perfect timing because as soon as he was starting to go down, you know, or showing old age, I guess, I was getting out. And I was mm-hmm. able to get home, a proper home. And he saved yeah. great to have him around. Yeah. He yeah. was, yeah, he he had another job. Yeah, he was working with you in a different way, it sounds like, Will. That's beautiful. Wow. And so, how long were you guys together after he retired? It was about a year. Yeah. We had a good year. Well, that, I was going to say, that was an incredible year. Yeah, and what a gift that you had that together, that you could be at home. And, and how was he different in retirement? We didn't do any work. The only exercise he got was anything in the water, obviously, but we threw the ball for him quite a bit, but he didn't do any bite work. Nice. So we just let him enjoy retirement. We kept him, yeah. but he really mellowed out. And his temperament was always, like I said, really great, really mellow, really calm. And mm-hmm. he was able to hang out with uh, women, children. I had him on the couch with my buddy's kids. He was he was a snuggler. He loved him. He was around babies. Motorcycle <laughs> <laughs> with a sidecar. We go right around town. Uh, I love that. Yep. Spend time on the boat together. We had a great year together. Yeah. What a gift. Yeah. For both of you. Uh, He must have had so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. I'm sure he did. Are you kidding? Getting to ride on a motorcycle and play in the water? That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what is Cairo's legacy, Will? We got to participate in one of the biggest missions in history. Uh, and not only that, he, there's plenty of other valuable stuff. They said he was shot even before that. So, Oh, my here, gosh. Listen, just I've seen some stuff out there that's not completely true. So I just wanted to use his story to get the truth out there, to bring attention to working dogs, all working dogs, not just military, but service dogs and the foundations out there that support these dogs. And then also tell my own personal story a little bit. And if I'm able to help some uh, fellow veterans out. Uh, yeah. Tell my heart. Well. There's no doubt about that either. I mean, what you're sharing and and talking about and educating people about these dogs and what they do, and it's nothing short of miraculous and heroic and inspiring, all of those things, which saying that is one thing, but you got to see it and live it and be a part of that with Cairo. That's such a gift, Will. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I feel that way living with a service dog and having a disability. I know how it's changed my life, but I can't imagine the situations that you were in, the danger and what you two were doing together and how you depended on each other. It's just so beautiful and such a gift. Yeah, I'll never have another experience like that in my life. 
it was a uh, was very fortunate. Abby's yeah. asked to go a lot of places with me, and so when I'm driving, I don't fly with him, and he'll he'll be buried with me. You know, it's yeah, yeah, I hear you, and <laughs> how lucky you are, Will. That's amazing, and I'm so glad you put it in a book so that other people can read about it and and learn and and get to see just a glimmer of what you experienced. So tell us, Will, how can people get more information about you and the book? Is it online or is there a website? The book is for sale on Amazon. It's No Ordinary Dog. On Instagram, Facebook, uh, we're a No Ordinary Dog book. Okay, awesome. Well, we'll definitely put that on our website so that our listeners can find you and find the book. Well, Will, I can't thank you enough for being with us. It's such a pleasure um, to visit with you and to hear about your experiences. And I Thank you so much for your service and Cairo's service and for what you two did for our country. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And thank you, our listeners, for being with us. We love hearing from you. So please keep your emails coming. And you know you can reach us at Marcy, M-A-R-C-I-E, at PetLifeRadio.com. And you can follow Working Like Dogs on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Lovey and I love to see your photos and to hear about the work that you're doing with your working dogs. So thank you so much for being with us and take good care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.